A conservative motion to extend the carbon tax exemption to all forms of home heating has been foiled by the Liberals and Bloc Québécois. Canada's provincial and territorial leaders gathered in Halifax and expressed their united opposition to the government's selective carbon tax approach. Canada's diplomatic fallout with India flared up again after a Canadian-based Sikh leader threatened Air India flights. Hello Canada, it's Tuesday, November 7th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Cosman Georgia. And I'm Noah Jarvis. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Conservative leader Pierre Polyev's motion to extend the carbon tax exemption to all forms of home heating was defeated in the House of Commons on Monday, despite unexpected support from the NDP. The motion, which aimed to end the government's announced temporary three-year pause on the federal carbon tax for home heating oil, failed to secure enough votes for passage. The final vote count had 186 MPs opposed, and 135 MPs in support. In response, Poiliev accused the Liberals and Bloc of forming a new, quote, carbon tax coalition. Justin Trudeau confirmed again today that he's not worth the cost. But what we learned is that he's now got a new carbon tax coalition with the separatists to divide our country. Given that the NDP was forced to flip-flop on Trudeau's plan to quadruple the tax, He had to find a new partner to keep him in power and avoid this non-confidence vote from passing. And who was there to save him? The separatists. He's now signed on with the separatists to divide Canadians into two separate classes. Those who will have to pay carbon tax on their home heat and a small minority who will get a pause from the pain. All of Trudeau's MPs sold out their constituents and voted to make their home heating more expensive. Trudeau and his costly MPs have divided our country, raised our taxes, and pushed our people out into the cold. After eight years of Justin Trudeau, two million people, a record-smashing two million people, had to go to the food bank in a single month. After eight years of Trudeau, we've had the worst inflation in in four decades. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has remained resolute in his opposition to further exemptions on the carbon tax, emphasizing the government's commitment to combating climate change. Trudeau argued that expending exemptions would hinder the nation's progress in reducing greenhouse gas emissions, though critics have accused him of pandering politically to Atlantic Canada, a traditional liberal stronghold. Despite the motion's failure, the issue remains a problem for the Trudeau government with pressure growing from provincial and territorial premiers. In many ways, Noah, this was to be expected The Liberal government has several options in the House of Commons on who it can lean on to get support for its own measures. And in this case, it wasn't, you know, the traditional uh, alliance with the NDP. They leaned on the Bloc Québécois 
to shut down this motion in the House of Commons. But as I mentioned before on our podcast yesterday, this is a non-binding motion. So even if it did pass, it would be largely symbolic. It would be a message to the federal government. But that's not the case. However, if the motion did pass, Noah, uh, do you think it would have put enough pressure on Trudeau and the Liberals to extend this pause elsewhere? I think so, Cosman. When the uh, Parliament of Canada makes an official declaration in opposition towards the carbon tax and the selective exemptions for different regions of Canada, of course that would have put uh, pressure on the Trudeau government to act and to either you know create more exemptions on home heating for other regions of Canada or to just scrap the carbon tax altogether. It is worrying that the Bloc Québécois, a party that is supposed to, you know, be in favor of Quebec's rights um, as a province, is siding with the Liberals on this motion, even though uh, it Quebecers, just like many other Canadians, are dealing with the pressures of the carbon tax. It just goes to show that even though Trudeau is in a minority government situation, he does have a lot of flexibility on with the political leaders that he can collaborate with. Uh, generally, it is the NDP that he collaborates with, but you know he frequently collaborates with the Bloc Québécois, and in this case, the Bloc Québécois, you know, even though they are a Quebec separatist party, they are quite the left-leaning party. And just like the Trudeau Liberals, the Bloc Québécois, they do have an ideological commitment towards uh, environmental uh, radical environmentalism and the carbon tax. Noah, in many ways, this vote and the support from the Bloc Québécois doesn't actually dispel, you know, some of the accusations that the liberals are pandering politically to their supporters. Obviously, alongside Atlantic Canada, the liberals also traditionally do well in Quebec. And it's, it's strange because we see this moment of, you know, temporary unity where the NDP and conservative uh, agenda aligns on this issue, at least in the current context of, of politics. But the liberals are doing nothing to dispel this criticism, which is, I think, turning out to be true that this move to extend the carbon tax exemptions to Atlantic Canadians is purely political and has nothing to do with the economy or climate change. No, you're right, Cosman. I mean, when you look at the poll numbers in Atlantic Canada, the Conservatives are winning by a tremendous margin. I mean, naturally, yeah, normally, the Liberals, they do sweep that area. If you look in 2015, I believe they won every single seat in, in Atlantic Canada. And even though in recent elections, they have been losing ground in that region, uh, since Pierre Polyev has become the Conservative leader, you have seen a real shift towards the Conservatives in support in Atlantic Canada. So this move to exempt Atlantic Canada from the carbon tax on their home heating oil is definitely a move to pander to Atlantic Canada. Although I'm not sure Atlantic Canadians will indubitably shift their support back over to the Liberals as a result of you know him making this exemption because the Liberals have already imposed such uh, tremendous strife uh, towards people's uh, pockets. Uh, it's hard to say. We'll have to see some updated polling numbers, but. You know, it, it, it's tough because I don't think the Trudeau government is really interested in unity when it comes to the provinces. They would 
prefer that the provinces bicker and, you know, complain about each other. But here we have a case where they're pretty much on the same page, both east and west and north. And what they're telling the government is, look, you're not even talking to us. You've made these decisions going over our head, um, not necessarily in the best interests of the entire country and Canadians at large. And I do think it sends a message, right? And in that article, it mentions, and they raised this during their uh, press conference today, Trudeau hasn't met with the premiers, I think, in quite a few years, I think since 2018, if I recall correctly. And so it is time that Trudeau gets down and brings everybody together at the table and and works this out because clearly it's not working. Canadians are losing support in the carbon tax and they simply don't see it uh, being effective and, and creating the changes that the government, uh, you know, insinuated that it would when it comes to the climate. Canada's provincial and territorial leaders gathered in Halifax to address growing concerns about the federal government's selective approach to the carbon tax with a unanimous call for fairness to ensure all provinces are treated equitably. Premiers from across the nation expressed apprehension over what they view as unequal treatment of Canadians after Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced a temporary exemption to the federal levy for home eating oil. Alberta Premier Daniel Smith argued that the federal government's carbon tax plan was making Canadians' lives less affordable. And in fact, we've already seen what happens in jurisdictions that don't have access to clean natural gas. They convert back to coal. So if this is truly a global problem, then we need global thinking and global solutions. And we should be exporting more of our cleaner fuel to reduce global emissions and not punishing our customers here at home. It's not uh, our customers' fault that the alternatives are not available to them. Um, I do not share um, David Eby's and Premier Eby's enthusiasm for heat pumps because in our um, in our province, they, they don't work particularly well at below minus 25. You can't get insurance without having a backup to your heat pump and so it's not it's not really a credible option in in our province there may be other options that emerge in future with technology but in the meantime all this is doing is just causing unfairness making life less affordable and really harming our most vulnerable as we get into the winter season saskatchewan premier scott moe also blasts the federal government for their preferential application of the federal levy eastern premiers were also on the same page as their western counterparts expressing concern that the carbon tax was further dividing the country and harming unity. Even newly elected NDP Manitoba Premier Wab Canoe said all governments need to have a united approach to tackling climate change. However, the federal carbon tax is an unrealistic approach given the state of the economy. So, Cosman, it looks like the selective exemption for some parts of the country uh, rather than others, has actually been backfiring on the Trudeau government. Do you think that this move that was obviously made to consolidate liberal support has actually backfired on the liberals? Well, look, when it comes particularly to the uh, provincial NDP, right, because it wasn't just the premier of Manitoba, there were other uh, NDP parties in the West that opposed uh, the government's selective carbon tax exemption, including the British Columbia Premier here, uh, David Eby. And 
I honestly believe that's what led Jugmeet Singh and the federal NDP to support the conservative motion because they could see the writing on the wall, right? There is a tendency for the federal NDP to only pay attention to a portion of its of its base, and, and that portion is, you know, like Ottawa elites, progressives. And from what I saw online, a lot of those people were upset with Jugmeet Singh saying, you know, you sold out, you, you've abandoned your climate change commitments. But I don't think that's the case. I think he actually uh, hit the nail on the head here and he read the room when it comes to uh, the provincial NDP and, and what they have to deal with. And in many ways, Western NDP parties, you know, despite their faults, they have been a little bit more realistic on things. Uh, especially to do with uh, with climate change. I mean, we saw it with former Alberta Premier Rachel Notley. Her initiatives were not quite as, as radical as some of the ones that come out of Ontario or elsewhere. And I also think that it is encouraging that premiers are coming together in a show of uh, united solidarity uh, to oppose the government's selective exemption. Even a NDP premier like Wab Canoe came out and uh, opposed the selective exemption to the carbon tax and agreed that the carbon tax is actually placing an unrealistic burden, unrealistic financial burden on Canadians that and uh, that it needs to go, quite frankly. We haven't seen this sort of pushback against the Trudeau government by premiers since I believe you know, that McLean's cover came out with a couple of conservative premiers declaring themselves to be the resistance, even though uh, after that uh, magazine came out, um, they've shown themselves to be uh, weak in their resistance to the Trudeau government. But now that, you know, more Canadians are sort of consolidating their support behind the conservatives or at least against the liberals, premiers are sort of responding to this democratic shift in support. And they are more eager to oppose the carbon tax that is uh, having uh, serious and material effects on the paychecks of everyday Canadians. Canada's diplomatic fallout with India is flaring up again after a prominent leader of the Sikh separatist movement told Sikhs not to travel on Air India flights due to potentially life-threatening consequences. Gurpatwant Singh Panun an outspoken Khalistani leader based in Canada released a video wherein he repeated multiple threats to those who will be traveling on Air India flights on November 19th. Designated as a terrorist by the Indian government, Panin was rumored to have been killed in a car accident in the U.S. prior to the video's release. Panin also claimed that the New Delhi Indira Gandhi International Airport would be shut down on November 19th and demanded its name be changed. November 19th is also the date of the final match in the International Men's Cricket World Cup, which is being hosted in India. Indian officials have said that they plan to discuss the threat with Canadian authorities. Sanjay Kumar Verma, India's High Commissioner to Canada, said, quote, We shall take up the threat against Air India flights originating from and terminating in Canada with the concerned Canadian authorities. Verma said that India and Canada must collaborate to prevent such threats under the Bilateral Civil Aviation Agreement. Panin's threats to target Air India flights are reminiscent of the June 1985 terrorist attack that was carried out by Khalistani separatists, killing 329 passengers aboard Air India Flight 182. 
One thing I would like to remind listeners, because I don't think most Canadians know this, or simply they they were never told in their life, but the Air India terror attack was the worst terrorist attack to happen involving Canadians. And it's quite tragic that the Canadian government doesn't take threats from Khalistani extremists, those seeking to use violence and other means to achieve their stated goal, which is to state within the Punjab region of India, they simply don't take these threats seriously. And we've seen what's happened, what what has this resulted in. It has resulted in, in a huge destruction in our relations with India, in our diplomatic relations, and this tit-for-tat, back-and-forth diplomatic squabble that, quite frankly, doesn't help anybody. As an outside observer, it really looks like Canada's relationship with India is irreparable from my point of view. But obviously, there's always opportunity for making amendments when a new prime minister comes into power. Is that what it will take, Noah, for the relationship with India to be restored? I think so, Cosman. And it's unfortunate what Justin Trudeau has done to Canadian-Indian relations. Uh, It seems as if the prime minister is so focused on just opposing Modi and uh, everything that he does and says that he is not concerned with uh, genuine threats on Canadian soil, that being uh, terrorists organizing and planning uh, terrorist attacks on Canadian soil. Uh, it just goes to show that uh, over the past decade in which Justin Trudeau has governed, Canada's state capacity to deal with terrorist threats and just threats to not only Canadian citizens, but also citizens worldwide has diminished. Uh, The threat of terrorism has not been uh, taken seriously in Canada, and it has resulted in a diminishment of Canadian relations. Now, Despite the Indian government's constant pressing of the Canadian government over the last half decade, Justin Trudeau has refused to seriously take into consideration uh, the fact that there are terrorists planning terrorist attacks on Canadian soil and that it is not only a threat to Canadians, but it is also a threat to citizens uh, across the globe uh, and that uh, terrorist uh, attacks being planned on Canadian soil does have a negative effect on the relations Canada has uh, with other countries, as we can see with our uh, diminishing relationship with India. I would hope that Justin Trudeau, before he leaves, uh, can do some good in repairing our relationship with India. However, I don't think that'll be the case, as with Modi and Justin Trudeau in power in our respective countries, the relationship is only soured. Yes, for sure. And I personally am the type of person who doesn't want to see Canada get dragged into other nations' squabbles. But by this point, it is a problem we can't ignore anymore because it is playing out within Canada. Like, there, you know, we saw that referendum happen. We see these calls to violence. And on this particular issue, like, This should immediately trigger aviation authorities, it should trigger intelligence authorities, it should trigger law enforcement to look into this. And I find it quite disheartening that we're hearing about this through the media uh, based on a report uh, by the Indian government saying that they're going to raise this with the Canadian government. There should be some 
a proactive disclosure from the Canadian government because a threat on a on an airline, particularly an airline that you know isn't only used by Indian citizens, it's going to be used by citizens from all over the world, but especially uh, Canadians as well. So this is a direct threat, although a little bit veiled, on, on Canadian people. And it seems like the government just simply isn't taking it seriously enough. That's it for today, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Plus, The Andrew Lawton Show will be live at 1 p.m. Eastern today. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news.